welcome to Miracle Nutrition with Hardy White. I'm Hardy White. Join me now for a full hour of fun and adventure. Maybe we'll learn something, but more likely we'll unlearn something. Oh, forget your troubles, forget everything I've said, and remember, remember to forget. I love being with you. Hopefully, there's something for everybody. This episode is called The Master. Oh, my friends, you have come to the right place. And that's very interesting because you didn't have to go anywhere. And you didn't even have to leave the time you're in. You could be listening to this in the past or the future, here or there. Isn't that interesting? Well, I think I'm here right now. And I'm here, I believe, to give you something. What am I going to give you? I call it wisdom, but it's clearly not. Why is it clearly not wisdom? Well, because sometimes it's meaningless. All I'm going to do is try to tell you some things that I learned that I found useful. Not even true. I don't know if they're true. Useful and true are not the same thing. A slotted spoon is useful. Is it true? I don't know if it's true or not. I heard that about the slotted spoon. I have several. And they all have different shapes slots, I guess, depending on what you want to pass through and what you want to retain. So you just be a slotted spoon right now and you can retain what you want. Let all the juices flow through and just get the chunky parts. Or if you just want the uh, the juices, I don't know how that works. I guess then chuck out the chunky parts. Which are which? Which is the wisdom? Which is the truth? Which is the usefulness? I do not know. But I know that I am a sort of strainer. And uh, so I'm all strain, strain to do all sorts of things. I know that if I'm, if I'm grunting to do it, then I'm probably working at the extremes of my ability. And I like to do that. I don't want to just do what's comfortable. I want to I have to grunt uh, to get it out. And I'm sorry. Oh, those are human sounds. Not even humans. I think all... Uh, animals. Not all animals grunt, of course. Uh, my dogs are silent uh, when, they, when they use the bathroom and everything. But listen to this. I have some things to tell you, and I have tested them over time. That's another thing to see if something is wisdom or not. People would say things to me when I'm young, and now I've had many years to see if that's true or not, or if that thing is useful. It's like you've given an item. So here, you may use this. And you go, it looks like a stick with a string on the end and then just a, a wad of paper. And they go, it might, you might need this. And you may never. And you say, well, that wasn't true. I carried it around all these years and it, I didn't need it for anything. And then there's other things like a nail file. And you go, oh, I did need that. Because sometimes it's not just for grooming. You go, oh, this is kind of painful, this split one on the end. And file it up. So I'm trying to give you something like that maybe that you'll you'll need. I do recall a recent episode that I saw. It wasn't recent. It was from the 60s of, of Gomer Pyle. Um, and Gomer Pyle, is it USMC or I don't know, ASMR or something? 
That would be nice. Gomer Pyle ASMR. So anyway, so I was listening to this, and uh, there was a the guest star was Don Rickles, and he was a sergeant, and then um, regular Sergeant Carter, and they were getting each other gifts, and Don Rickles got the normal Sergeant Carter a swirling finger. It was an automated, an electric finger, and he said it was for your gums. Now, I've never even put my normal finger on my gums. I don't think much less an automated one. And I don't know that I'd want a robot sticking its finger up there because they could go mad. You know how that is. Machines, they lose their minds, and they're, ooh, I've seen that in the cartoons. Things start whirling, and especially robots, you can do that by confusing them. Captain Kirk used to confuse, he could confuse a robot like nobody's business. See, because what the machines do not have is Dada. See, for some reason, they don't understand paradoxes, which is hilarious. Because I think, I think that's not, they don't really shut you down, paradoxes. You just move on. You go, well, that's, that's meaningless. But here's something I want to tell you. I don't know whether you feel powerless in your life. Maybe you do. Maybe you're extraordinarily powerful. I could have the strange misfortune of speaking to nothing but powerful army generals right now, like no one else is listening. They didn't know, I didn't know you were on, Hardy. And just coincidentally, all the most powerful warlords of the planet are listening. In that case, I don't know what to tell you, uh, because I'm going to be saying uh, weak folk stuff, and maybe it would help you, uh, maybe the knowledge would help you more efficiently uh, victimize, uh, but I'm going to, you're welcome to listen, everybody is welcome to listen. I'm not going to exclude anybody. It's not true. I do exclude you. I exclude you by taking a long time to get to things. I exclude you by uh, uh, eliminate, not eliminating, I don't hurt you or anything, but I count on you walking out if uh, this isn't your bag, and I understand that. And so I try to do that, and oh, I don't want to, because we're going to get into things that, who knows, whether you like them or I talk about all sorts of things, and yet I don't. So I will begin with some stories for those who feel sort of helpless in life, like they haven't really mastered anything. I'm not good at anything, Hardy. I have friends that have been studying something. If I had gone to medical school when my friend did, I'd already be retiring from being uh, some kind of surgeon. Well, I wouldn't because I wouldn't have, it wouldn't have gone that way to begin with. But I see what you're saying. Um, that's happened to me. You know, friends gone to professional school and all of a sudden you go, how'd you be? We, I remember when we both weren't lawyers kind of thing. So I want to speak to you if you feel like you've never mastered anything, whether you are uh, one of the forgotten people in life. I also like to speak to people who are hurting all the time, and I mean, uh, uh, you know, maybe physically even. Chronic pain. I was uh, fortunate enough to experience that, to be able to empathize. I wish you didn't have to, but it's always, when, once you become one of a group, you go, oh, now I get it. <laughs> I wish I could have just felt for you before joining uh, the the chronic uh, neck pain club, but now I get it, and so I'm I'm going to treat you the way I want to be treated. 
And I try to generally do that also through uh, imagining myself in different situations. And that's what I'm going to talk to you about. Oh, if you want to use your imagination right now. Say, oh, everybody talks about that. Use your imagination. I'm telling you, your imagination is not just this thing for kids that lets you do little collages and you go, oh, that cloud's really a monkey. That isn't it. That's fine. That's, that's fine and dandy. But that's like using your samurai sword to cut a banana. It isn't really the ultimate use of it. So I'm telling you, imagination is something that you need to survive. And the reason you have it at all is because you have survived. Oh, it's a strange thing about evolution. You happen, someone happened to have a trait and it happened to be good. And so it, it's not going to go away, probably. You keep using the things that work. And they're not always ideal. Why are houses the shape they are? There's so many other shapes. Well, you know, we found a shape that was good enough and good enough endures. And so that just has some uh, momentum. And then good enough keeps reproducing. So there you have it. That's it. That's your answer. That's why. Uh, that's your answer in a nutshell. And it's why you don't live in a giant nutshell, which would be fantastic. Wouldn't it? Like a big half a, half a walnut kind of place. Look like a hat. Like living in a helmet. A helmet made of some kind of woody stuff. Nut, nut wood. So here I'm going to give you... Uh, and ima imagine Im imagination. How can I imagine imagination? That's like saying you had to do some karate to learn karate. But you do. So the way that we learn to play guitar is we play guitar. Well, I'm learning to play guitar. You can actually start. The minute you start, you're learning. So we're going to imagine uh, that you're in a sort of martial arts course. Isn't that fun? We've all seen that place and go, oh, that Kung Fu studio looks cool. I remember I went to, I used to go to a Kung Fu school and they had all the weapons in the window. They finally moved that because they realized that was a super bad idea. So tempting. But all the swords and halberds and things like that were all spears and knives and everything like that. Uh, we're right in the window, and you go in, and it's all black and red, like some kind of anarchist kung fu temple. And it was cool. So that was my first exposure. And then uh, that draws you in. So imagine that you're going into a really cool uh, kung fu studio. Am I? Am I the uh, uh, sifu or in Japanese the sensei? No, I'm not. I'm not, they are not here right now. So I am the cleaning person. So I'm just going to tell you what I know. And then, you know, you'll be up to zero. And then you can, they'll take it. Then the, the, the instructor uh, will take it from there, the masters. So uh, please, are you ready? Are your mind and your, is your mind all, have I scrambled it enough? It's got to be all mixed. Those were mind exercises. I had a hard time following you. <sighs> all right, well, now we're warmed up. That's the whole point. Shouldn't be easy. Shouldn't be easy. It's going to stretch that brain. I'm saying things that do make sense. So if you think it's nonsensical, make an extra effort. Because then, then you're going to, oh, just like those exercises they have you do. 
Remember the karate kids go, why am I, I don't understand why I'm ironing your clothes and uh, cooking all your meals and all that kind of thing. And the instructor said, well, that's because I'm getting you used to those kind of arm motions and stuff like that. You're actually training. You just don't know you're training. The first story that my master ever taught me when I walked into the studio with my mop and bucket and volunteered to clean they said, I was uh, asleep one night, and I was asleep one night in my bed, and my partner next to me started making uh, sounds. You know how you talk in your sleep? Like you're having a nightmare. And... Uh, Master said they found this hilarious and uh, sort of uh, grabbed their partner and, and, and sort of rolled them and said, you, you're having a dream. You're in a dream. And with that, my master woke up. And my master's partner said, wake up, you're having a nightmare. Because it was my master making those groans. But in the dream, it was his partner. Isn't that strange? That's because, my master said, in your dream, you are everybody. So you're the person next to you. You're the, you're the dog. You're everything you see. You're the VW. You're the tree. You're all the people in it. That's all you. Because it's in your head. Nobody, nobody comes in to play those roles. It's you. So if you're wrestling with an enemy or you've got a tiger chasing you, it's your internal tiger that's chasing you. It's the tiger of you. It's something. It's a fear that's it's you that's chasing you. And that's all something. The next thing I learned was this. Swordsmanship. I said I would like to learn to, to master the sword. And at first the master said, no. And I said, but I'm determined. And the master said, well, all right. But first I have to tell you a story. And I said, oh, okay. <laughs> Is it? Because I'd, I'd love to get right to the, I've got one of the swords. And I was goofing around with it earlier because I had seen some pictures. Um. And movies and all, and, um, you know, I'm a pretty good mimic. So, and said, no, I'm going to tell you a story first. I will digress for a moment. There are a series of, or a series or group, rather, of Japanese writers from the early part of the 20th century um, that I like to read because I like short stories because they, they, they coincide with uh, my attention span, which is tiny. So I can make it. When I finish a short story, I feel like I've finished um, War and Peace or something. Or, or, or Alan Moore's Jerusalem. You know, yes! Done! But it's really just like five pages. But for me, I'm out of breath at the end. So I read a, a, a bunch of those stories. So when my master said, uh, this one's called The Master by Nakajima. 
I said, oh, I think I know that story. It's about an archer, right? And they go, yes, this person wanted to master archery. And they were very good, so they went to this great master of archery. And he said, the first thing you have to do is learn not to blink. And so this guy spent five years not blinking and being really strict about it until they learned never to blink. Even if something flew into his eye, he wouldn't blink. You could flick him in the eye and he wouldn't blink. Never blunk. Never did blank. Blinked. And so he went back. He said, I got the blinking down. So I'm even joined something called blinked in, which is like for other people who learn, want to learn how to not blink. Hey, I remember you from high school. You want to learn how to not blink together? I'm good. I got a gig. Uh, so he said, well, now you've got to learn to see the very small as very large and the infinitesimal as vast. He says, all right, well, I'll, I'll go off and do that. And so he went off and do that, and he would concentrate on like a gnat, you know, just look at a gnat or a flea or something for a really long time. He did this for years and years. And so the, the flea just became the size of an elephant. And so he could take his arrow and he could shoot the flea because to him it was that big. So the very small things became very large. I remember I was listening to uh, a video of Richard Feynman, the physicist and New Yorker. And he was telling a story about how his father really kind of got him curious about science and things. And one of the things he'd do is they'd, he'd make uh, Richard imagine that he was very tiny to see the world from, a, uh, from different perspectives. So you would see size as relative you understand? Shrink yourself down in your imagination very small, very tiny. And imagine that small things are enormous. So you're seeing things relatively. Do you understand? Isn't that wonderful? You go, gosh, size, I may be little, but I'm bigger than this, and this thing's bigger than me, and it's your perspective. It's, it's how you see it, whether it's large or small. And so the fellow mastered that as he had the not blinking. The not blinking, the never looking away. So the never looking away and the understanding relative perspective, he came back and he was able to study then with the great master archer and became his equal. Once he became his equal, he became very competitive and didn't want an equal. So he set off to kill his own master. And they, he couldn't because the fellow's good, right? Just as good. And so he decided not to and they reconciled and say, well, don't do that again. What I see going on here is you've reached the, the, the sort of ultimate end of your mastery. You wanted to destroy your own master. So now it's time for you to go to see the really big master, the mysterious one. The one who lives far off in the West. So he went and did that. And he met this, this fella. And this person didn't even have a bow and arrow. And they say, said, you're going to teach me archery. And he says, no. I'm going to teach you no archery. And he says, what do you mean? He says, go stand on that. Uh, rock on the edge of a cliff that's rocking back and forth 
and, and then shoots something. So he gets on that rock. He's he can't he can't hold it. And he falls off of it. And the guy laughs at him. And then the old master jumps on the rock with no bow, no arrow, points up to heaven, and a bird drops. And he said, wow, what's going on, man? Teach me that. Teach me the, the no archery. So we did. And the fellow goes home with no interest in it anymore. No interest in shooting. And then he gets older and older. And he starts to not care about a lot of things. Doesn't see the difference between things as much anymore. You know, up is down. It's all sort of relative to him. And he forgets even what a bow and arrow is. Forgets all those previous desires and those goals. And he just looks as if he's absolutely helpless in the world. Now, that's not interesting. And I said, well, okay, so now we learn to use the sword, I said. He said, all right. He said, why do you want to use the sword? I said, I want to be good at the sword. He goes, well, that doesn't make any, any sense. What would you do with it? I said, well, perhaps I would defend myself. He said, against whom? I said, uh, somebody who was trying to attack me. And they said, well, why would they be trying to attack you? And I said, well, because maybe I'm defending somebody, helpless. Because why are they trying to attack them? And I said, maybe because, now this went on a very, very, very long time. The whys never ended. And I kept getting hung up on things. It got to where he was asking me why we hate one another. He was asking me, why there is violence, or what death does. He was asking me all the whys behind things. He was asking me about myself, what I feared. It got very detailed. I said, what, what's going on? Because, you know, can't we just start with the sword? He goes, why would we, why start with the sword? You know, here's the thing. If you're just going to be uh, on, a, on a boat, yes, it is good to master the life best. And everybody wants to master the life best. But by the time you get to the life best, there's been a lot of problems that happen. And almost 99% of sailing is about tackling those problems. The end, the life vest, is the last resort. And then he told me your sword, by the time you use it, by the time your blade hits a person or hits another blade, that's the end, not the beginning. What led up to it? And I said, well, I don't, I don't know. I mean, how do I... How would I see that? How would I know that? And he said, what you want to do is you want the sword 
that cuts through all space and time. You want the sword that stops things before they even get uh, going. You want a sword that doesn't have to be in the present or the past. And I said, a lot of this is not making sense. He goes, look, man, what you really want is awareness. What you really want to do is start seeing things the way they are. And that's hard. And that takes an entire lifetime because it means not blinking. It means looking at things that are difficult. It means looking at things that would hurt you and knowing they might not. It means seeing things that are very large as very small and very small as very large. It means projecting your mind through space into the past and into the future. Now, when you project your mind into the future, and I know this is a time travel person, it's very difficult because it is absolutely frightening. And I'll tell you this, and this is the secret. So I wish I could travel into the future. The reason I can travel into the future, my friends, is because I am dead. I am dead. That's what happens when you go into the future. You see your own death. You see everything that's going to happen. You're supposed to experience those things. Once you experience the future, you are dead. That's just the rule. And so I'm dead. But listen. I get to come back here where I was alive in the past and maybe uh, open eyes because a lot of things are done through blindness, uh, willful. I would do that all the time. I would, I would, it was so painful for me to just turn around in my dream and look at the tiger chasing me that I thought I'll just wait, I'll just, I'll do things to block out the tiger. I'll, I'll make noise to pretend it's not there. Anything but look at it and figure out what's going on. Anything but use my imagination. But then I realized I have to. I have to use my imagination. I have to think about it. I have to take my sword and uh, bring it way into the past and into the future to figure out how I can avoid having to cut somebody. Because I don't want to do that. I have and continue uh, to... Uh, now, it's not just about avoiding. You know, you want to change things, don't you? You want to say, I don't want to just go through life navigating. Do I just getting out of the way? Or do you? I don't know. That's up to you. I'm never going to tell you you have to change the world. I'm never going to tell you you have to write everything that's wrong. I think that's swordsmanship. You know, I, I don't even, I'm a janitor. I clean this kung fu studio. I, I don't teach the sword stuff. So I would love to change everything and, and, and uh, right all the wrongs and confront injustice. But... I don't know uh, how uh, to do that exactly with my eyes closed. So first, I'm going to work on opening them. Because I think I could maybe, even though you're supposed to master the, um, the sword first and then the no sword, I'm thinking maybe I could 
skip it a little bit. I mean, I'm already not practicing the sword, and so it doesn't seem very much of a leap. And so I think I'm going to continue to do that. Now, I know, so is it, it's cowardly to avoid conflict. Is it? You know, sometimes it's indulgent, the conflict. Sometimes we think we want, oh, I'm going to get this out of me, get this out of me. At what cost? You know, it's like when you rage at somebody. That's not riding injustice. That's just kind of making you feel venting your spleen. If you really wanted things to be different, that's not how you would act. You'd be cagey. You know? Say, oh, you know you're doing it right if you've got a lot of enemies. Oh, I think you know you're doing it sloppy if you have a lot of enemies. They shouldn't know that you're their enemy. That's sloppy. Uh, you got to ninja this stuff. Right? So, I'm still running through it in my mind, all these things. I'm trying to uh, think about these things in my relationships so I don't, I don't hurt and pass on hurt. You know, I've brought it in a little bit. Because I'm not a genius. I'm not going to save the world. I'm not, oh, you should use your voice to say this. Okay, give me your words. That's, a, that's called an actor. I'll say whatever you want me to say. If you think that'll do it, some slogan, I'll yell your political slogan. You say, it'll. oh, this will stop injustice. All right, let me yell it. No, sir, not right now. Right now, I'm trying to fearlessly open my eyes. I'm trying to see uh, my own heart, who I am. So let's imagine, just for a minute, that this is a dream. And that you are all the characters. And that you are Hardy White and Richard Nixon and uh, Nakajima and Alice Neal. Right? You're all those people. You have to see the world the way they saw it. I try to do that all the time. With I, I use Alice Neal and, and, and her life as an example, her looking. I have internal arguments uh, with my imagined Alice Neal. Are you seeing or projecting, Alice? Are, are you seeing those, those portraits that you paint of people that look where you capture their emotions? Are you capturing their emotions, or you, did you foist those emotions upon them? I think that sometimes I just went to the doctor, and it wasn't my normal doctor. And this doctor, I thought, was just hearing what he wanted to hear because he kind of already had decided something. So he was, he was sort of looking. And then when I looked at my chart, he had left out some things I said that just didn't fit. It's like when you put a car back together and you go, oh, we've got some pieces left over, and you pretend they're not there. So my, because I'm a janitor and because I clean up, I can't pretend things aren't there. There's nowhere to, it's a small space. There's nowhere to hide them. I can't, I can't really just put things under the mats. I've got to put the mats up and mop. There's no hiding it. I got to take the dirt away. I got to look in those corners. Oh, let's say it's Pesach and you're Jewish and you've got to go around and get all the hamets. What's that? So it's like spring cleaning 
and you have to go around because there's no leaven things. You got to go out and clean the breadcrumbs. Breadcrumbs could be anywhere. Imagine, imagine that you uh, you do this, and the, and you have a toaster. I mean, the toaster is like not only is it breadcrumbs, it's like it's spe- it's spewing them everywhere. I remember one time, I was cleaning my house to that degree. I said, I will clean my kitchen to that degree, like I'm cleaning it of hummets, like it's Pesach and I got to, and, 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 and God knows where all the stuff is and, and there's no running. So I pulled my stove out from the wall, and I don't know if you've ever done that, but back there is just this absolutely greasy, Hieronymus Bosch hellscape of ignored organic material. And you go to clean it and you think, this is, I don't even know if a solvent exists that could cut through this degree of neglect. It is stalactite level uh, ages of neglect back there. You say, how does this, boy, this stuff's like rock, because now it is. So, but I cleaned, and I cleaned, and I scrubbed, and I cleaned, and then I cleaned the stove, which was also caked with that, and I cleaned it, and I scrubbed it, and I got it absolutely sparkling. I had faced every corner of that thing. What I'd also done is somehow I'd screwed up my stove, because it was one that had a computer in it for some reason, and and I'd never required, up to then, I'd never required a computer in my stove. It just on off and everything hot not hot but I don't know why I don't know why there's a computer in it so well what if you what what if you need to run some numbers or something what if you need to do some calculations while you're something simmering but I fried it out and so by this cleaning I had actually destroyed something at that side but I overdid it or I guess what happened is I took it literally you know the idea was to face all these things you know, not to not to absolutely purify them, uh, not to drag them into my uh, obsessive thoughts, but to uh, confront it, to look at things, to be brave. And we're all full of fear. It isn't about being fearless. Nobody is. You hear that all the time, even in bad movies. And I'm telling you, that's a, that is something that that has stuck with me, though. It, it is about. You know, it's like when the when the fellow didn't blink, the archer. You know, you've just gotta you gotta trust that um, you know it might it might hurt when it gets you, but it's that 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 courage is going to give you what you crave, and that's clear vision, clear sight, the truth. You can't lie to yourself. You can't lie in your dreams. And so I get it all mixed up. And I treat it like this is a dream. And it makes me more brave. And I imagine that you are an aspect of me and I of you. And I'm not sure it's not that way. I mean, biologically, we couldn't be more related. Radio listener and radio talker. There's no very little difference. And if you're one of my listeners, we probably, we probably hit a lot of demographic similarities, too. That's just the way it is. I really, boy, I just, there's something about you, Hardy. I've had 
people like that and say, oh, tell me your age and your background and everything. And then I go, are you sure you aren't me? <laughs> maybe you like you. And maybe it's you you need to listen to, too. And uh, I think that a lot. You know, I don't, uh, now that I've, there's nothing better be, to, to be in, having gone into the future and, and, and sort of being dead. And I got no, uh, my, my, sort of my pride went with it. You know, I don't need to be uh, in charge. I don't need to be important. I don't need to be, uh, I do need to be loved. I can't override that too much. But I do need that. Uh, I do need to know that, because uh, that's part of the feedback. See, I mean, that's part of the knowing I'm not seeing it wrong. And if I, I have to be brave and uh, be able to say, you know, am I, is that right? You know, do you agree or something like that? And then when you go, no, I go, okay, let's see why. And let's see if we actually need to agree. So I hope that maybe you're learning a little bit of how to use that sword or at least question. I thought that with guitar, too, this applies to anything. If you're, if you're reaching this point in your musical career and you say, I'm not going anywhere, Hardy, I've been playing so long, I've been doing this and making music, nobody wants to hear it. And, and, I, and I, I would say, first of all, uh, you're, all, you're almost all of my friends. How about that? You're even my friends who people have heard their music all over the world. They just aren't now or something. So... Uh, let me say this to you. We used to call uh, your instrument your axe. I guess that maybe that started with your sax is your axe. But then your, your, your guitar is your axe. Everybody says, I get my axe. And we used to say that. I don't know. <laughs> I guess I hung with a lot, of, a lot of hipsters and stuff like that. But um, cool, daddy-o. A lot of us miss that. I was just, Todd was just talking about that. I missed that era, you know, in the in the... 50s, I was like, well, man, I wish I could stay. I think I'm going to say cool daddy-o, though, and stuff, and cat. Because um, it just sounds, sounds good, and I miss that. So um, get your guitar. Now you think, now, you know, why are you doing this? Now, you, when you say that, be prepared. Unless you get, like, 50 more whys, you're not really headed in the right direction. So you got to explore. you got to be honest with yourself and brutal. Now, you don't have to be, it doesn't have to be the truth either. You say, well, why am I playing this? Well, because I want to sh share my music. Ooh, why do you want to share your music? Because I want other people to hear it. Why do you want other people to hear it? Because I want them to like it. Why do you want them to like it? I want them to understand that I've done something hard and well. So you want recognition. Yes. Why? So I know that I am worthy. Worthy of what? Worthy of being alive. I mean, it goes on. Man, I'm telling you, sometimes you think, am I playing guitar just because I want to be loved? Or am I, you know, it's all sorts of things. And it isn't just the playing guitar. It might just be your, dis your dissatisfaction with it that we're trying to get to. And because there's nothing wrong with expressing yourselves and beauty and I surround myself with music and instruments and I play them all the time and I do art all the time 
And sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad and sometimes it's what people want and sometimes it isn't what people want. And sometimes it bothers me and sometimes it doesn't. But I think I need to start uh, getting a little more serious about the kung fu of anything I do. And if you do it slowly, like tea making, did that for a while, go, I'm going to do kung fu tea. That's absolutely a thing. Um, So I did this kung fu uh, tea stuff. Uh, Got very into pu'er tea, making my tiny little clay teapot, doing things in the right order and slowly. And then, and I, and I lost myself in these steps and everything. And you're able to kind of contemplate things and, and start to see all the whys. Now, it's interesting that we say why. It's a homophone. So why also, in our language, sounds like the letter Y, which is, um, and what is a Y? It's, a, it's, like a, it's like a tree. It's like a bifurcated, it's like, a, like we see a speciation happen in a, in a, in a tree, in an ancestor tree. Right? The two come into the one. But working the other way, the one go into the two, too. It can split. So everything branches out. The branching b- works both ways, into the future, into the past. Two make one, and then one also makes two as a group in evolution. It's where species come from. And so all this branching... So the game is to go off on those branches, off on those tangents and explore why things are happening. And then there's not just one cause. That's why there are all those branches. You won't, all those whys, every time you do that game, and why am, I, why am I playing the guitar? Why am I using the sword? Why am I using the arrow? You're going to get different answers all the time because you go in different directions because there's all sorts of causes. Because let's say I went off on the direction for mental health. I'm playing the guitar for my mental health. Play the piano sometimes when I have headaches. Because it helps. And, uh, you know, but there's, all, there's all sorts of motivations. At any given time, there could be a thousand. But isn't it wonderful to start to open your eyes like that and see them? To take the small reasons and magnify them. See them from all different perspectives. I hope when you listen to me, uh, this happens. That you start to have your own, imagine your own thing. Say, Hardy, I listened to your show and I have decided to take up the samurai sword. I said, oh, that's very, very nice. That's excellent. I love that. I love things. I do like archery a lot. Uh, I was, I, as a person who jumps from one hobby to another, um, I was ob- obsessed with it for a while and practiced daily for hours. I was determined to get good. And I did. I would, pr- I would, pl- I would practice all day if I could, every day, all my free time. And then I got bad. After getting good, I started to get worse. My mind wandered. I started to lose focus, and I started to realize that it, this wasn't what I was looking for. 
that this wasn't those all those bullseyes. They weren't really doing it. That I was probably doing this thing for the wrong reason. And I just stopped. And I thought about it for a long time. Then I just thought about it. And I would imagine myself doing that. And I imagine myself practicing the sword. I only know a little bit. I did take some lessons, just a few. When the master finally did agree to teach me some things, uh, he taught me some things to do with my hands and all that. And then he said, I noticed that you talk a lot. And I said, yes. He said that you, you know that your voice can be used as a weapon, as a healing implement. It is way more versatile than the sword. And he showed me how to control situations with my voice, how to, how to hurt, how to stop, how to use it in a martial way. And I even used it in the wild once. I was at the gas station and I was pumping my gas. And there was uh, a, a, fa a, a, a man and a woman and a little kid, maybe 10 years old, and they got out of a car. And then this big fella got out of a van and they started screaming at one another. And then the, the, the big fella from the van and the, the little guy from the car started having a physical fight and started pushing and grabbing one another. And everybody pumping their gas and nobody was doing anything. And I thought, oh, I don't want to get involved, uh, but there's a child there. And I don't want the child was trying to save one of them. And I was like, oh, Lord, no, no, no. So what I did is I used my training. I've said this before. I used the voice that my, my, uh, my teacher taught me. It's a, it's a scary one, and I'm not going to use it now. I don't need it right now. But it, it was... Uh, it went, it did something neurologically to people. They thought it was somebody. They didn't know what was going on. They just started listening to me. It was strange. Uh, I don't know where it came from. But then I thought after that, my confidence went up. I thought, well, I never want that to happen ever again. Because I literally, I could have gotten shot dead. But I thought, well, if I can do that, can I do those tricks in the Kung Fu movie with a heel with the same power? What if it is a type of magical chi? What if I can pro project my will somehow? Now, what if my will was to heal or to bring peace? What if I could bring peace to you just for a minute or let you know how wonderful in the center of things you, you are? Not in an arrogant way, in the, in the way of a paradox. And you will not explode when I tell you this paradox that you probably hear all the time. And that is that the world was made just for you.
and you are but dust and ashes. You are everything and you are nothing, and I'm sorry that's a contradiction, but it's also the law of dreams. You are everything in the dream, and you're nothing. And that means you're free. Oh, you're free. You may not be free of pain. You may not be free of grief. You may not be free of all these things that envelop all of us and swallow us all in. And you may not be able to escape the back of the stove and all that nastiness. But when you Open your eyes to it, and you say, I'm going to start turning around in this dream. I'm going to start treating myself differently, and then maybe things will be different. I can't change the evil people in this world by talking to them. I thought I could when I was young. I thought, well, if I just say the right things. I mean, even when I start on, I've been on the radio for many years, 30 or something like that altogether, and I have never said anything that's changed the world. In fact, I think things may have been gotten a little bit worse. You know? But uh, I thought, well, all this injustice and inequality and pain and grief and unnecessary torment and how we separate ourselves from one another, how our fear leads to hatred and violence. Maybe I can do something about that. Maybe I'll settle hearts in such a way. And the only thing that's really happened is I've settled my own heart a bit. I may have said this earlier, but sometimes when my heart breaks, it's like one of them eggs with a prize in it. Not the ones, not the stockings. Oh, I used to love them. Go, Mama, please buy the stockings with the egg. And she goes, no, they're of a low quality. And I'm like, please, they're just the regular plastic envelope does nothing for me. You've got to get, I think those, I think the children drove most of the sales of Legs brand stockings uh, when they were a thing because I just wanted to collect them all. Mama, get these. She goes, I don't need them. Look at what color they are. Yeah, I need that color egg, though. So, uh, but I'm not talking about that egg. I'm saying when you crack something open and there's a prize inside, um, like a cracker. My, my UK friend, those things you pop, pop it, they make a pop, and then there's a prize in them. Are they called crackers? Um, all my compatriots where I lived were named after those little things, I guess. But anyway, uh, when my heart breaks, there's often a little piece of something in there, and I pull it out, and I go, oh, now I get something. I understand a little more about the world. You know, I wish it didn't hurt always <laughs> like that, but a lot of times that, that uh, you know, that pain opens up some, woo, here we go, here's reality. Oh, my friends. I don't mean, I hope I've distracted you a little bit. And you go, oh, you have, and I'm going to take up the, the nine-foot pole or whatever. You should, man. It's fun. It's fun to do those things. I like to just act them out. Um, and then it gives me a little more confidence to say, if it ever, it ever did 
come to, if my subtle sword does not go into the future enough and somebody did come to like uh, whack me on the head, I'm not saying, I would just like to say that for any entertainer friends, okay? Here's a move going to save you grief. And that is you just bring like something coming for your head. Just get in the habit of bringing that elbow up. You bring your elbow up even with your head and bring it in. And then it's going to, whatever's that going to hit your head is now going to hit your elbow and, and it's going to be real sorry it did because if it's flesh. So, you know, you got to get it up, gator up or whatever. A lot of people have different names for it. Get that elbow up. That's the surest way. That's, that's move number, Hardy White Marshall move number one. Elbow up. If you're dead, you can't fight back. If you're dead, you can't defend. Put your own oxygen mask on first and then on to the child. So that's what you got to do. I got to get myself right. If I've got anything to pass on, boy, I got to get, I got to keep myself together. I saw that the other day somebody, sometimes bumper stickers do accidentally say something. And someone's like, don't, uh, don't just die for your children, live for them. You know, have the guts to do, that's even harder, right? Dying you only do once and you don't know you did it. But, you know, living is difficult. It is uh, a daily thing. Surviving is not easy. And everybody who is currently alive, do you deserve, you know, so, oh, not everybody should get a, a trophy. Oh, the hell they shouldn't. Everybody should get a trophy for just being alive. You don't think this is tough. You're, a, you're, you're kidding yourself. Because I think sometimes think people think uh, it was, everyone thinks it's tougher for them than others, I think, sometimes. They say, well, they can, I can do it, they can do it. And there's all this resentment and jealousy and everything, and I'll never know what to do about that, and I don't know that I'm supposed to do anything about it. I'll try not to add to it. And maybe... See, my, here's my thing with being on the radio and everything. If we knew one another, it would complicate things sometimes. Because then, th then there might be all sorts. You know how people compete or they feel, oh, so I'm around sons and they're so tall. It makes me feel so short or whatever like that. It could be anything. You know, but when, when there's like a stranger or something just comes into your life, that's why I like dead writers. I only read the fiction of people who are dead. I never read the, live, the words of the living. I'm not interested. I'm alive. I want to read the words of people who aren't alive anymore. And um, I can have a better relationship with them. Um, so I do that. And I wonder if that, you know, since I'm a time traveler and I'm virtually dead... Whether you could, you know, my words might be useful to you. I'm certainly not going to use them. I'm not using them. And I'm not, I'm not copywriting them or keeping them or selling them or anything. I'm just, I'm just uh, 500 and some hours on WFMU. East Orange. So I've done that now 500 hours, I think. Um, or so of uh gee whiz if each one was an album you'd have to start selling some of them so i have got to get rid of some of these so um there you go that's quite a catalog i wish you, I, I do wish 
each one was like an album had a different face on it, you know. But some of them have good titles. I think some of my shows have better titles than they do content. But it'd be great to... I always thought that about a book. I'd love to have a book with my name on it said, So-and-So by Hardy White. And, and, and I wouldn't want anybody to read it. That's embarrassing. But just like, yo, going to a bookstore, my books are... It's an ego thing, you know. It is. It has to do about wanting to feel like you're special. But special does you don't. That doesn't mean specialer than anybody else. You don't have to. You're you're uh, you're always relatively special. If you cannot blink and see small things as large and large things as big, if you can get to that no archery, and yes, you can be. The center of it all and none of it at the same time. Mm, oh, I'm so glad to be with you. Oh, I can't believe how lucky I am. Just how many, how many uh, years in a row now? Oh, gosh, I'm overwhelmed by how many folks I've met. And uh, if I've made your life any better at all, you don't have to tell me even. Isn't that wonderful? You really don't. It, it's fine if you do. I'll let you know if you do. Sometimes I just, I'm so weak or I feel discouraged. I'll go, tell me again. But your children do that. That's me when I'm being a child. Mama, tell me you love me. I love you, little baby. That's, that's me sometimes. It's all of us sometimes, and that's all right. But most of the time, most of the time, Free means free. Free means free obligation. You have no obligation to even acknowledge anything I've said. Oh, take it. Because who knows? It may be a dream. We may all be the same mind. Who knows? So why wouldn't I want to put it out there? Why wouldn't it benefit me in the long run? It's got to. Oh, my friends. This is the... End of the show, not the end. Of, I know, I've, oh, my voice got very grave, like I was going to say. I hate to tell you that but it's just the end of another show. Hopefully, there'll be one next week. I was uh, um, dealing with some uh, uh, health stuff last week. I say health, say, why are you being so vague? Because I don't know what it is yet, and I don't want to, uh, I don't want to, I don't want too much of your uh, sympathy if it's nothing, and I don't want to alarm you if it is serious, but I was uh, experiencing, um, uh, you know, uh, pain and health things where I couldn't, I couldn't even do my show, which was a rare thing. So I want to stay well so I can be with you. That's my number one now. It's just to be able to, to be there, you know, to keep, to keep going, be there with you and experience it with you and let it flow over us. You are listening to Miracle Nutrition with Hardy White on WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, 91.9 in Rockland County, and New York City, New York, and online, WFMU.org. Oh, my gosh. Thank you for listening. I'll see you again next week. Hello, Hello listeners. This, this is a live broadcast of a pre-recorded mix from Mahogany on WFMU. Thank, thank you for tuning in. The first half of tonight's program is a mix by special guest, Richmond, Virginia's very own Dee Thornhill. Next up on Mahogo, me.
Thing was mahogany, twins name was ebony. 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 Listening to tonight's special episode of Mahogony on WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, broadcasting at 91.9 FM in New York City and Rockland County and online at WFMU.org. Have a blessed evening.